My name is Vincenzo. I am an Italian journalist and I have lived in Brussels for three years, covering European affairs from different angles and working for different media outlets, from the Britain press to television networks. Like many other people, I have been impressed by the solidarity people have demonstrated toward Ukrainian refugees. 12 million people have entered the European Union since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. By far the largest migration flow in the EU's entire history. Many have already returned to their war-torn country, but 4.4 million have started a new precarious life in one of the 27 EU member states. European countries have put in place extraordinary measures to deal with an extraordinary number of people reaching their borders. Some provided access to their social welfare system immediately after the outbreak of the war, provided shelter for families in need and even gave refugees a monthly contribution to help them. As you may know, debates on migration are very sensitive in my home country, Italy, so I wonder if this unprecedented solidarity of European countries could also have a long-term impact on how the EU welcomes migrants. In fact, the European Union has stepped up with an unprecedented initiative to welcome Ukrainian refugees, the Temporary Protection Directive. To understand more about what this law means, I walked to the European Parliament to meet with Juan Fernando López Aguilar, a Spanish member of the European Parliament, who is also the chairman of the European Parliament Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs. They have free movement, they can freely choose their residence on the grounds of their connections, on the grounds of their relatives or their opportunities. They have access to job market and to all of the social benefits of the job market, including health and social services, but most importantly for the children right to education, to be integrated and included in the educational systems of the member states. The so-called Temporary Protection Directive is indeed the most powerful and innovative tool the EU has adopted in this context and probably in its entire history. It was unanimously agreed by the 27 member states just one week after the start of the war when the number of Ukrainians reaching Europe was 300,000, already a very high figure for the European Union, but still far below what would happen in the future. The directive allows anyone fleeing the territory of Ukraine, regardless of nationality, to get a residence permit in the European Union, initially valid for one year. More than a million of them have applied in Poland, the main destination for Ukrainian refugees. The EU has supported these efforts by granting hundreds of millions in a support package and by allowing member states to reallocate their available EU funds to this emergency, as explained here by MEP Juan Fernando López Aguilar. And we have adopted two additional instruments, the so-called CARE and CARE Plus, precisely to help the member states meet the needs of millions fleeing the war zone. Mostly, more than 90%, as we all know, women and vulnerable children, including unaccompanied minors, exposed to human trafficking, labor and sexual exploitation. But it's not all about money. The European Commission, for example, presented at the end of March 
a 10-point plan to better coordinate the reception of people fleeing the war. The plan includes a mapping of reception and accommodation capacities, the development of standard operating procedures for the reception of children and a strategy to prevent human trafficking and exploitation. Finally, a solidarity platform managed by the Commission brings together EU countries, international partners and EU agencies in order to ensure the effective implementation of the Temporary Protection Directive. More recently, the Commission also created the Talent Pool, a new online job search tool for refugees in order to help them to find a job in Europe. The European Member States also launched a series of initiatives to address some of the key challenges regarding the arrival of millions of Ukrainian refugees, as explains Alberto Horst-Neidart. He is a policy analyst for the European Diversity and Migration Programme at the European Policy Centre, a think tank located in Brussels, and he is an expert on this topic. Just uh, to give two examples, uh, when it comes to housing, uh, evidently the arrival of so many persons uh, poses uh, significant challenges uh, in cities and elsewhere where they have been welcomed. And uh, some operational novelties were introduced to coordinate uh, among member states and ensure that everyone is offered adequate and safe housing. Another example of this is coordination at the level of um, the rights of children to be integrated into schooling. Such initiatives have been implemented even by governments traditionally reluctant to welcome migrants such as Poland. Indeed, welcoming attitudes seems to have prevailed both at political level and among the population, says Neidacht. A series of surveys launched both shortly after the beginning of the Russian invasion as well as in recent months and these show that mostly uh, European citizens across the EU, including in Central and European countries, uh, uh, show sympathy towards uh, newly arrived persons and uh, refugees from Ukraine in particular. Now, at the level of the institutional responses, these also show that the governments in Central and uh, Eastern European countries have stepped up to the maximum extent uh, to guarantee uh, protection to uh, refugees from Ukraine. However, some experts warn that the extraordinary scale of this human exodus could have a disruptive effect on the EU migration policy. Despite hardships in some member states, the European social model has not collapsed because of the arrival of millions of Ukrainians. This raises the question, if 4 million people did not have the effect of an earthquake on the European social system, why should the reception of 100,000 Syrians, a few thousand Iraqis or Afghans, to mention only the previous migration crisis, be an unbearable burden? Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, probably had this in mind when she said in her last State of the Union address in September that EU actions towards Ukrainian refugees should not be an exception, but a blueprint. She insisted on a crisis-proof and fast-deploying system, as well as a permanent mechanism to ensure solidarity. 
other leading figures in European politics, including in the European Parliament, are on the same wavelength. We should actually try to gain momentum out of this moment of generosity, of the uh, understanding of the complexity of the Ukrainian war, to higher the standard of the European Union in all fronts. And of course, we should also gain the momentum to learn the lessons which are to be learned when we are now legislating on the Migration and Asylum Pact, which comprehends five regulations which can actually strike the deal between shared responsibility and binding solidarity. The 2020 Pact on Migration and Asylum, a complex legislative package of nine instruments meant to amend the EU asylum system, is indeed the elephant in the room in the EU talks on migration flows. Its crucial and most disputed part is a regulation setting up a solidarity mechanism whereby migrants would, under certain conditions, be relocated to other member states when a national system is under pressure. But in more than two years, only minor progress has been made. 18 countries found an agreement on a voluntary solidarity mechanism last June, but this intergovernmental platform has yet to demonstrate its effectiveness. In short, too little to say that discussion between the national governments have not resulted in a prolonged stalemate. In theory, the war in Ukraine could have given the EU's migration policy to move forward, but Alberto Horst-Neidart dubs it. So we only see small signs suggesting that there will be a political shift and that a broader set of reforms will be uh, introduced in the months to come. Even the decision to legally grant Ukrainian refugees EU-wide provisional protection under the so-called Temporary Protection Directive, while unprecedented, is also flawed. This uh, unanimity is not visible uh, in respect to other reforms that have been proposed at EU level. To again uh, look at the reality of the responses which have been set in place and to understand whether the response to Ukraine could be used as a blueprint. It's also interesting to note that uh, while Ukrainian refugees have been able to travel uh, freely across the EU, refugees from uh, other countries do not have this possibility and they have to remain in the country which has hosted them uh, during the asylum procedure. In his opinion, this happens mainly because when it comes to Ukrainians, political actors and governments of different political colors have come together and unanimously decided to provide protection, showing that they are aware of the dramatic situation and keen to support. Instead, the same political actors are divided on how to manage refugee flows from other countries, in particular from the South Mediterranean region. These double standards also affect the perception of European citizens, who have become more aware of the support of European authorities for Ukrainians and have felt more encouraged to welcome them. Why were we not so responsive, let alone say so generous, with those fleeing from the Syrian civil war, considering that the numbers were much lower, much lesser? Why we were so mean with those miserable families in pain, instrumentalized or weaponized, by Lukashenko's Belarus against the Baltics. 
What was her response then? While the war in Ukraine is still forcing people to flee the country, other migratory routes are not less busy, but maybe just more overlooked in the news. The last available data of Frontex, the EU Border and Coast Guard Agency, show that the irregular entries recorded in the first nine months of 2022 represented the highest peak since 2016. A new and complicated situation for the European asylum system could be around the corner, and EU governments seem to draw a strict line between Ukrainian and other refugees. For example, the new Italian government has recently been preventing migrant people rescued in the Mediterranean Sea from disembarking in the country. I'll get back to you shortly on this topic in a follow-up episode of the Voices from Brussels podcast. That's all for today. Thanks for listening.